Powered by Righteous Media. Welcome to Independent America. Welcome to a special episode 263. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. And now, more than ever, is definitely a time to stay vigilant. Especially when it comes to the news coming out of conflict zones around the world. It's always said the truth is the first casualty of war. And in 2024 especially, on this show, especially as a combat veteran myself, I want to try to bring you the voices of conflict, the real ground truth of what's happening on the ground in places like Ukraine, Israel, and Gaza. And in this special episode, I'm going to bring you the voice of Doreen Cohen. Doreen Cohen grew up in Ashkelon, Israel, and lived in Kibbutz Kafar Aza with her husband Itamar and her young boys, Adam and Jonathan. Where on October 7th, they survived nearly 30 hours in a bomb shelter. Doreen's only 30 years old. She has a bachelor's degree in law, and she was pursuing an advanced studies degree in child development. And earlier this month in New York, at an event entitled Understanding Israel, Doreen bravely shared her story. It's a story of unthinkable cruelty, an unprecedented moment, and unparalleled heroism. I've met a lot of heroes in my life, but few more heroic than Doreen. You might think you know the story of October 7th, but you haven't heard it through Doreen's eyes. Hers is a story that's so much bigger than the division that's unfolded around the world since October 7th and the combat that's followed. Her story is one of a young mother, a wife, a human being, and a hero who showed a kind of courage that few will ever know. No matter where you stand on Israel, Gaza, Palestine, and all of it, this is a story you need to hear. Because it's about much more than just Hamas and Israel. It's about the most basic brutalities and beauties of humanity. And it's a story everyone in the world must hear. It comes from the Understanding Israel event that was hosted by a friend of this show and our former guest, Ellie Elephant, that I told you about in the last episode. Doreen is introduced by her friend, Rachel Braverman. And her unforgettable talk followed the panel with Ambassador Mark Ginsburg and Mike Novogratz that I moderated and was broadcast exclusively on Righteous Media in our previous episode, 262. If you haven't heard that, definitely go back and check it out. And a content warning. This episode contains vivid descriptions of violence, combat, death, sexual assault, violence against children, and more. This is very tough stuff to hear, but it's also extremely important. No matter where you stand on Israel, Gaza, Palestine, this is a story you need to hear. Because it's about so much more than just Hamas and Israel and the conflict. It's about the most basic brutalities and beauties of humanity. And it's a story everyone in the world should hear. Welcome to a story of survival. Welcome to a story of heroism. Welcome to Independent Americans, episode 263. Hi, Adam. It's me, JJ from Cocomelon. I just wanted to say hi and wish you a very happy Hanukkah. 
I hope you're having a great day. Bye-bye. About a month ago, my mother-in-law sent my husband and me an article about a family who barely survived October 7th, hiding in their kibbutz in Israel with their two baby boys. She sent it to us because the parents of these boys, Doreen and Itamar Cohen, kept their two-year-old son Adam quiet during many of those impossible hours by letting him listen to his favorite character, JJ, from Cocomelon, sing him some songs. And that voice of JJ is my son, Cody. I sent Cody a text message right after reading the article with an excerpt, and I told him, don't ever think that what you do doesn't make a difference. Cody wanted to send Adam a message as JJ, which you all heard a part of just moments ago, but we needed to get in touch with the family. We quickly contacted the author of the piece who connected us to Doreen. Adam was, of course, so happy to hear JJ talking directly to him, but what we really wanted to do was help this family that had lost everything a family that we felt had gotten connected to us for a reason. We spoke to them over video chat and asked what, the, what we could do. Could we send them money, clothes, furniture? What did they need? It felt like what they really needed was a break and a fresh start. We said, come to us. Stay with us for a bit. Catch your breath and let us take care of you. Pretend we're your long-lost cousins in New Jersey. A few days later, flights were booked. And last Wednesday at 6.30 in the morning... Four virtual strangers who felt like family walked into my kitchen, and I know all of our lives will never be the same. I would like to introduce you to the beautiful and strong mother of this family so you can hear her story. To me, she is a hero, and probably soon to all of you, although I know she'd prefer not to be. Doreen Cohen. Hello everyone and thank you for coming tonight. I'm going to tell you a story about heaven. A heaven that turned dark one day. I am Doreen Cohen and I'm here with my family from Kibbutz Kfar Aza in southern Israel. My husband Itamar and I met when we were in kindergarten in Ashkelon. He moved to Kfar Aza when he was in first grade and lived in that paradise until October 7. There was, there was never even a thought when we got married that we would raise our children anywhere else until now. We have two boys, three years old Adam and seven months old Jonathan. Kfar Aza is a small and beautiful kibbutz full of green spaces, chirping birds, and spectacular sunsets. Itamar used to run around the border of the kibbutz, which would have cost him his life if he had been out that terrible morning. From a very young age, the children roam freely around the kibbutz.
we always felt a strong sense of security. Even though from time to time, there were Teva Dome sirens as rockets were launched toward us. But we were used to it and knew how to act accordingly. That was part of life in, in southern Israel. On Saturday, October 7, the morning of Simchat Torah, we were going to, be, to celebrate by holding our kite parade, also known as a Fifoniada. Each year, we flew kites, symbolizing peace near to the border, so our neighbors could watch. Ironic. But instead, at 6.30 a.m., sirens went off. We ran to the bomb shelter in our home, which was also Adam's bedroom, and sealed the door and the window. The children were still asleep. Suddenly, at 7 a.m., came the moment that changed our lives forever. From the bomb shelter window, we heard shouting in Arabic and gunshots. And that's when we realized that the terrorists had invaded our kibbutz. This was, this was not part of life in Israel. At least not part of life in Israel we knew. Later we understood that the gunshot we heard had been fired by the terrorists who murdered our neighbors. We had heard the screams. We knew that what had happened. Our neighbor who survived are the 10 months old twins orphans that many of you may have heard about. Itamar grew up with Hadar, their mother. The familiar scream we heard, her last sound. It was horrible. Fear permitted every bone of our bodies. I called the police and begged for help. Itamar ran into the bedroom and grabbed his handgun. The bomb shelter door didn't have a lock, so we moved, uh, moved Adam Bubu's case to block the door. And then we waited. You don't know me, but I wasn't much of a re religious person before of this day. But in Adam's room, in the bomb shelter, I opened Book of Psalm that was sitting on his bookshelf. I literally opened the, the middle of the book, Psalm 18, where the word before me, and the story of King David hiding in a cage from King Shaul. And it was dark, and he heard bombs outside, and he was describing the fire he saw. In print it said, Bless me, God, who rescued me from my enemies, and saved me from Hamas. I did not look for this passage. I had never read this word before. But they found me. And I'm here today because God did save me. During this time, the kibbutz WhatsApp group were reporting the terrorists in their homes, everywhere. 
and nobody was coming to help. We were hearing about the murdered of Fir Liebstein, the head of our regional consul. He was in charge in 11 kibbutzim in our area. Aviv Baram, one of our, our first responders. Yuval Salomon, Itamar's best friend. He turned 29 on October 6. We talk about how we would celebrate his 30th. <laughs> Joke that we would have to shut down <laughs> Tel Aviv for him. He lived in an area in the kibbutz that was for people aged 18 to 30. The entire area was killed or taken hostage. At 10 a.m. there was an electricity outage we were, felt, we were left in total darkness and with very little reception. Time passed and it became difficult to keep the children quiet and stop them, stop them from crying. We told Adam there was a dangerous storm outside. What do you say to a, to a three years old? Slowly the batteries in our phone were running out, but worse than than that, the oxygen in the shelter was running out. In a situation where you already felt like you could not breathe, we could barely breathe. At 2 p.m., a small force of soldiers entered, entered the kibbutz for the first time. We were sure that they would rescue us very soon. They had to. How could this be lasting so long? My parents felt helpless. They were 10 minutes away, but a ward apart. I emptied out a drawer in Adam's bed and held his sheets that held his sheets and sent my dad a picture. This is where Jonathan will be. My plan was that I would put, just put him in the drawer in, if something would happen to us. My dad could not reach us, so he got into the, his car with his pistol. He thought he could save us, but the army turned him back. Itamar's parents were stuck in their house, only five minutes walk from us. The windows in their home were blowed up and they hid in their own bomb shelter. But they remained safe. After his parents were rescued by the army, the terrorists blew up their house, leaving the Shabbat Chala. Night came quickly that day. You, may, you might think time could move slowly, 
in this situation, but it didn't. By 8 p.m., we could no longer breathe. No water, no food, no light, no oxygen. Just praying for our lives, for the lives of my babies. We decided to open the door of the bomb shelter to ventilate it a bit. Itamar crawled into the kitchen and bought, brought some water and food. At 12 a.m., the terrorists invaded our house. They explode, exploded a bomb in our home right outside of the shelter. The bookcase that held the door closed exploded into pieces and flew over Adam sleeping in his bed. Itamar, who was holding the door, was swept off his feet from the explosion, and his hand was injured. The terrorists shot in every direction with machine guns and set fire to the house. I was able to send last message to my parents, telling them that the terrorists had invaded our house, and the phone shut off, and we no longer had contact with anyone. Smoke seeped into the bomb shelter. I held the children to keep them from crying so the terrorists would not hear us. Our apartment was two that had been put together, so we had two bomb shelters. This is also what saved us. We think the terrorists didn't, not, didn't realize we were still there. Itamar held the door handle, which had caught fire, to prevent them from entering. For several hours, we heard loud explosions and gunfire. We prayed. I just stared at the door handle and assumed when the terrorists entered, Itamar would die. I just stared at the door handle and assumed when the terrorists entered, Itama would die killing some of them, and I would pick the, up the gun and fight to save my children. The sun came up, and we could see the light through the bullet's holes in the door. It became quiet, quieter than it had been. We heard the terrorists run into our house, to hide from the Israeli army. It was also at this time where I had nothing else to feed Jonathan. I had been nursing him, but I had nothing in me. I was dehydrated and stressed, and my milk was gone. I thought he's going to, to die. I heard a jeep passing our house. I wanted to open the, the window and call for help. Itamar didn't want me to. 
He was afraid it wasn't safe, that we would be showing ourselves to the terrorists. But I heard Hebrew, and my baby, my baby needed help. I opened the window slowly and just stuck my hand through and waved and whistled. The soldiers thought everyone in our house was dead, so they started shooting at us. Maybe Itamar was right. A few hours later, at 11 a.m., after 28 hours in the bomb shelter, I heard another military jeep passing by our house. I told Itamar I was going to open the window and call for help, and I knew I had no choice. Jonathan was going to die soon if we did not get out. They thought they saw ghosts. Total shock. But they rescued us through the window in, of the bomb shelter. When we got outside, we saw our house in flames. The roof was destroyed, walls gone, everything gone, but not us. We were still standing there. Turns out, the explosion we had heard at night were missiles that the army had fired to the, at the terrorists in our house. They believed that we were dead. All the neighbors who came out at night and saw our house looking like a huge ball of fire were already mourning us. As we drove away in the jeep, we saw our paradise in flames. The beautiful green spaces now black. A dead body to my right, to my left, all around us. The, the smell of death is in the air. We arrived at the gas station where all the survivors from our kibbutz were taken. It was like we're back from the dead. From there, we were evacuated to kibbutz Shfaim. All the survivors from our kibbutz are there and will probably be there for a long time to come. 68 dead. 18 hostages, 
11 have been returned. Two were killed. Five are still being held hostage. One of those is my dear friend Doron. The last I heard from her was a voice message on October 7, where she said, they cut me, they cut me. In the background, the terrorists are screaming Allah Akbar. On October 7, I made, a, I made a deal with God, and I believe he saved us. I told him that I would keep Shabbat, keep kosher, keep all the Jewish holidays. And I was not a religious person, not before this. But now, I will tell you, I believe God is the reason that I am here today. Dealing with this kind of horror and tragedy has been struggle for all of us. Even telling my story feels like I'm talking about someone else. Our lives are forever changed. My baby cry when it's dark and shrieks when he's hungry, different than he was. Itamar and I started smoking again after not smoking for years. Adam talks to his friend about how his house was destroyed and he's always hiding from the bad people. I do not know what the future holds right now. I do not want to go back to Kfaraza our forever home. I came here to the state because maybe this will be our home. I don't know. I want a place we can make new roots, new memories. A place that it is our, not borrowed, not destroyed, safe. For today, I'm grateful to be here, alive, to be here with all of you. October 7 took many people away from, our, from us that we love, people that were murdered, burned, raped, abused, and kidnapped. If you pray, please pray for the hostages that remain in Gaza to return home. I pray for my best friend Oron and all other 132 hostages to come home immediately. We lived in fear 28 hours and the hostages are going on 96 days. We need to do more than just say to bring them home. We need to actually bring them home. Every minute count. And if, and if you do not pray, maybe think about it. Because I do think God can hear you. Thank you.
For years on this show, I've been talking about heroes and about helpers. And I think you can understand now why I feel that I've met none finer than Doreen. She is truly a helper of the highest magnitude. You can find out more about Doreen and her story if you go to independentamericans.us. We've also got video of her amazing story from that event called Understanding Israel. And after experiencing this unimaginable trauma, Doreen and her family are now working to build a new life, as she talked about, maybe in Israel, maybe in America. And you can help them on that path by donating what you can to the GoFundMe page that's been set up by their friends. It's linked in the show notes and also on our website. Even after the darkest of times, we're going to continue to try to bring light and positivity to contrast the heat. I know you won't forget this episode and Doreen's story, so please share it far and wide. And stay vigilant, my friend, because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. And it's a price that must be paid now around the world more than ever. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Thank you for listening. Down with Hamas. Down with Putin. Slava Ukraine. And stay vigilant, America. Righteous Media.